This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. My name is Christine, one of the hosts, and I am joined by the founder of Unseminary, Rich Birch. Rich, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. You know, today's article is five questions about COVID-19 that your church might still need to answer. I know uh, we still are in this season where we're wrestling with COVID-19 issues. And so I've pulled together some questions that I, I think we should be thinking about. You know, one of the things that struck me in this season is as church leaders, I know I have had my ability to imagine stretched. So we've joked about this in the past when this whole COVID thing hit. Um, I remember I was traveling and um, I was coming back and we were, because we have COVID and we were like, oh, we had to come back home. And at the time I thought, oh, I'm going to have a couple days off before I have to travel again. And, you know, clearly that has not happened. I have not traveled since March, but that, you know, what that was, was as a failure of imagination. What would it I could not imagine that all the flights would be shut down. I could not imagine that we would find ourselves here still today. And so this article, I want to ask some questions or really spur you to be thinking of some things that might be up over the horizon, some things we might want to consider. Um, at the end of last year, I don't know, you might remember, Christine, I was reading or listening to uh, Dan Carlin's book. It's called The End is Always Near. This is happy Christmas reading. The End right. is Always Near, <laughs> ap apocalyptic moments from the Bronze Age collapse to near nuclear misses and our near nu yeah, nuclear near misses. And actually, he has a whole chapter in there about pandemics, which I remember at the time thinking, that's just crazy. And he he kind of talks about, like, imagine if the Spanish flu came again. Now, although some of the stuff he said in there didn't isn't actually true what's going on today, he did have the imagination to think, oh, hey, maybe there is a way that this could impact us today. So today, this article, this podcast, I'm hoping will stretch your imagination to think of some new um, kind of things that may be coming up over the horizon that we need to wrestle with. Now, if our listeners were to go and actually look at the article itself, you have linked to three other articles in this post. What are some of the learnings that stood out to you from those articles? Yeah, great question. So yeah, if you look in the show notes on the post, you'll see I've linked to um, some historical kind of documents, some writings around uh, the Spanish flu from 100 years ago and the impact that the Spanish flu had. And so there's, and in specifically in cities, I kind of got interested in this. I was like, well, we should be able to actually predict the future by looking at what happened with the Spanish flu. And there was this whole second wave and what, what was it like and what happened to the church. And so uh, if you look, there's an article that talks about what went on in Pittsburgh, what went on in Minneapolis and Washington, D.C. And, um, you know, it's interesting reading. Some of that definitely influenced some of these questions that we're going to wrestle through today. All right. So you've got five questions that our churches need to wrestle through within the coming months. And the first one is, would you lend your church building as a vaccine center? So it's clear that if a vaccine comes into safe and widespread use, there's going to be a significant problem. And that is how are the health systems going to distribute these vaccines? So I heard one report that said, you know, it's going to require 70% of uh, the population to um, to 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 actually take the vaccine uh, in order for it to have any kind of efficacy. I think that's the word. Uh, so that's hundreds of millions of people. I think that's like 230, 240 million people in the United States alone. And so we saw some evidence of this with the Spanish flu that actually churches converted their buildings into health center. And so the question I have for you is, will our churches be counted among those who are willing to help in a time like this? You know, the reality of it is, is our churches are great for getting people in and out. We have designed them with lots of parking and flow to get people in and out. 
what if we were willing to kind of offer our locations as mass vaccination centers? Now, I know this probably pushes some buttons of some people that are, you know, in our uh, listening audience that are kind of the anti-vaxxer movement. And that's probably an issue we're going to have to think through. We're going to have to wrestle through what that looks like in the same way that we have like weirdness going on with masks across the country. Right now, uh, there is going to be a vaccine conversation that's coming up. And so the the question I would ask you, and this is specifically, I kind of I using a little bit of clickbait here to get people thinking about vaccine, but there's other opportunities with, um, you know, with our buildings and say school boards, maybe there's an opportunity this fall to reach out to your school board to say, hey, I'm sure you're trying to figure out how to do more square footage. Well, we've got square footage. Maybe there's a way that we could have some classes here this fall. Um, so the thing I want to push you on is, is there a way that you could creatively use your building to actually help in the COVID response in the coming months uh, and even years ahead? Yeah, that's, those are some great suggestions. As someone who has reached out to local officials recently, I would just encourage leaders to do it multiple times to do it multiple ways because you need to get in front of assistants as well as mayors as well as you know et cetera et cetera and when they see your name in a voicemail as well as an email that always helps yeah that's great and you've been doing these calls recently and there we don't need to talk about they are i don't need to give away the secret but they (laughs) you know that you're literally going to people saying hey we want to give you money and like help and even that you got to push through, right? It's, yep. It doesn't just happen magically. Generally, it seems as though people are skeptical of the church. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, we they have absolutely to keep are. Yep. And and for a lot of us, unfortunately, this is the first time that we've connected with our town officials, mm. and so uh, so we're going to have to push through some of that. But I think there's no better time than now. Those guys are all stressed out. Those women are all stressed out right now. Let's lean in and say, hey, is there a way we could use our square footage uh, to help you uh, in whatever issue you're facing? All right. The second question is: Are we willing to communicate well in the public square? Are you ready to respond to the press if your church becomes a hotspot? So I do think we need to think very carefully about our reopening plans. And and we've talked about this in other podcasts. We've been discussing this for a while now. But one of those pieces of the puzzle uh, needs to be a bit of crisis communication planning uh, to actually think through what would it look like if our church became a, a hotspot? This just happened uh, today. Christiani, I didn't even tell you this. A friend of mine, a church leader I was talking to, uh, he calls me up and we were talking about some other stuff. He said, you won't believe what happened. He said, last week I met with this church leader. This is a true story. Met with a church leader from another church in town and on like last, end of last week. And um, today this church leader reached out to him and said, oh yeah, by the way, I forgot to tell you, I tested positive for COVID on Monday last week um, and just didn't tell you when we met. Uh, so this, you know, the friend of mine who's a church leader is like sort of miffed, right? He's like, what? You couldn't tell me about this? That, that we're going to have that on a on a, on a a kind of a large scale. If, if someone in your church tests positive, you've got to think very carefully about how you communicate this. Um, good friends of mine out in the middle of the country, Stonebridge, uh, they had this happen where um, someone who came to one of their services ended up uh, becoming, uh, was tested positive for COVID and they had to do all the contact tracing and go back and connect with everybody. But there becomes a press, 
opportunity or challenge in that moment because the churches are you know press is looking to uh, for a different story so i the question for you is in this moment don't just think about where are you putting the stickers on the floor but also hey what are we doing to develop a communication plan how, how, to actually communicate if we become a hot spot if it becomes a bit of the negative that we're thinking uh, might actually happen so we've got to communicate well friends and this is a season where uh that can either be something that could really be negative for our church or a real opportunity to help us step forward I remember seeing at the very beginning of all this, this kind of like mainstream post, I don't know if it was on Facebook or something like that, and it kind of listed things that you can do during COVID and activities that you could do, and they rated them based on safety. Right. And so, you know, of the safest things, it was like biking and camping and that sort of thing. Attending church was at the top of the list of the most right. unsafe things you can do yes. paralleled with um, going to a bar. Yes. And so that's the press that's out there yes. right now. And yes. so we have to work even harder and against that. Absolutely, friends. And I know, listen, we're not like conspiracy people here at the seminary, but as you're seeing these cases rise, you see... Um, the story is evolving that it is uh, these gatherings, it's bars, it's churches, um, it's those kind of places are becoming hotspots. And, and so we want to be prepared for that communication opportunity and turn what could be negative actually into something really positive. Um, that's an opportunity for you to think through. All right. The third question is, are your systems designed to move smoothly from in-person to online experiences in response to a second wave? So I do think we need to think very carefully about a second wave. And friends, we've been saying this since I think April or May that, um, you know, we need to prepare now for what happens when shutdowns happen again. I know none of us want to think about shutdowns. Like I just even saying that I'm like, oh my goodness, like the thought of like, please go back indoors. Remember when they told us it was going to be 14 days, like mm. just go back and like, I, it's going to be hard. And when you read, this is a part of what struck me when I read some of the history of the second wave of the Spanish flu a hundred years ago, there, you can feel the human dynamics in the air right now. If, if they came out to us and said, no, you've got to go back indoors. Like you, you can feel your own resistance to that. And so for us, um, we want to think very carefully about how we would move back into in per, or our online-only experiences if we've already started to meet in person. Um, you know, we, we want to be able to allow people to have either of those experiences that they can they can easily move between those two um, and, and to do that with great ease. And so please don't abandon the infrastructure that you've developed in this season. Too many, you've taken too much ground as a church leader uh, on being online. Let's not give that up, but we need to think very carefully about how we move people back and for forth between in-person and online uh, as we respond to what's coming in the future. All right. Well, I love this next point because it challenges us as church leaders to look outside of our churches. So the fourth question is, what would happen to your giving if your city's main employer closed? So a couple weekends ago, um, I got thinking, of, this is where I got thinking about this point. I was um, in a town uh, close by us here. We were doing these hand deliveries. We were going and delivering stuff to people's homes and kind of these, like these little encouragement package things. And and I was in this small town that I'm not normally in, but it's a company town. It's one of these towns that's like, they have a major employer. And it's like super obvious who the major employer is because it's like all the streets around the one in a town are developed around that. And, you know, you, the kind of the age of all the, 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 um, the homes are really 
you know, the same age as the plant that's been there. And, you know, I got thinking about that and I thought, man, if that employer, if they went belly up in this, in this time, man, that would be really bad for that town, obviously. Um, but it'd be bad for our churches too. And so the challenge for you and for me is, um, who are the major employers in your community? And, you know, have you ever looked at your, your giving data through that lens? Have you, have you kind of looked through from a, what would happen if that organization went, away, what would that do to us? And how would that impact us? Uh, it's a little bit of a morbid thought. Uh, but really, it's trying to get into, you know, the, the psyche of what's actually happening in town, you know, it might even just be un uh, understanding who are the major employers in your town or city, there may be church leaders who are listening and who are unaware of that they don't they don't know who that is. Um, and, and this would be a good thing for, for you to kind of wrestle through and think about in these days. All right. Well, this next point is something I've been thinking about a lot lately, actually. A, a church I know reopened and then they had to change their minds. They returned to online only because of this reason. The fifth yeah. one is, what if your volunteers don't come back? So one of the saddest things uh, that we're seeing in this season is that as churches attempt to get in-person services going again, um, there's this assumption that just everyone who volunteered is going to come back and volunteer. And this just simply is not the case. Um, we're seeing across the we're seeing across the country, um, you know, volunteers resistant to come back, and and we've seen this kind of third, a third, a third carries pretty consistently, just anecdotally, as you talk to people, a third of your volunteers are like, yeah, I'll come back tomorrow. Happy to jump in. A third are like, well, if I have to wear a mask, I'm, I'm not really interested. And then a third have either dropped off the planet. They're not sure where they are or, um, you know, are, are disengaged. And, and so the difficulty is with that is, you know, all of our churches, I, I didn't know a church before this that would say, you know, we have too many volunteers. I think we, all of our churches are always struggling to get people to plug in. That is kind of what we're called to do. That, that is, and that's a good thing, right? It's that, that pushes us towards the right thing to help people take steps closer to Jesus. But in this season, um, I think we have to stare very carefully into what would happen if our volunteers didn't come back or if a large portion of our volunteers didn't come back. What would we do? What would we need to restructure? How do we handle our communication in this reopening phase in such a way that doesn't just assume that people want to come back? How can we reach out to them and be kind and ca compassionate and caring and not guilting them into that experience, but actually helping them, easing them back into that? What can we be doing to train it, to train them? I've been talking about this on, you know, we have the sponsor ministry grid who does this great online training. And I know some churches that are using that to do extra online training in the season before people come back. So I think all of these issues around volunteers, volunteerism, we need to think very carefully about that and stretch our imagination in this season uh, to be thinking about what that might look like for, uh, for you and for me. Yeah, those, those training opportunities or different face-to-face -face meetings around vision or whatever, those are all um, great baby steps to kind of get people used to seeing each other again. It's totally true. And also to be reminded of why they volunteer in the first place. We have to keep that vision out in front of them and remind them why they want to be shoulder to shoulder right. with us right. while we reopen. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole chance to recast the vision and re-communicate again and and again, I know we've said this in other episodes, it is like relaunching your church. That is the feel that, we're, that we all have in this season. All right, Rich, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Yeah, I think I would just say this. You know, I, I would encourage you if you're listening in today, leaders, to use this season, use this time to gather some people together and to dream a little bit about what if. What are, you know, I've given you kind of 
five what-if scenarios here, things we should be thinking about to stretch our imagination. Um, actually, if you go to the article, uh, if you're on your phone, you just scroll to the bottom. There's actually a PDF version of this that's really easy for you to, to email out to people. Say, hey, here's some questions this guy asked. What are some questions that we could ask? Let's use this season to kind of stretch our imagination and think about what might be coming next and use that as an opportunity for us to grow and learn as leaders. Those are great thoughts, Rich. Thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners. Uh, You can find this article and many other helpful articles at unseminary.com.